We're going to go to Matthew chapter 24. How many has been following um, all the action and activity going on over in Israel right now? Anybody been following that a little bit? Right, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, any any time Israel's in the news, you know, out here, stuff, you know, my ears perk up. I'm just waiting for somebody to show up that's got all the answers over there that just fixes it all because we know who that's going to be. That's going to be the Antichrist that's going to do that. And um, uh, but in the meantime, there's not going to be any fixing the problems over there. They're going to keep fighting each other. They keep talking about you know we need to have these ceasefires. Do you know when Hamas agrees to ceasefires? When they run out of ammo. And then they'll agree to a ceasefire. And then that get, puts all this pressure on Israel to agree to a ceasefire. And then Hamas, in the meantime, they just reload. They just go, and then as soon as they get more weapons, they're fighting again. And, you know, Israel, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what all should be done over there. Part of me is just like, you know, Israel just needs to finish them off. Uh, you, you know, that's, that's their land, that's their territory. God gave it to them. But, you know, I don't have much influence over there. But I do enjoy paying attention to what's going on over there. And I want to read some verses to you. And this is a very familiar passage of Scripture. And I guess really the title of my message tonight is It's the End of the World. What do we do? You know, it is. I mean, you, the news anymore, it's so depressing. I mean, it's just crazy. All the turmoil. We've got all this stuff going on in Russia and Ukraine. I mean, we've got America that is just, I mean, the power of our government that they have now that's just expanding and it's growing all the time. And the way the you know the United Nations, the amount of power that they have, you can just see how everything is going, getting closer and closer to that one world government. You see just how wicked and depraved our world is getting. And our own nation, just how, how wicked it's becoming. And it's like, surely we have got to be close to the coming of the Lord. And I want us to read Matthew chapter 24. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture. But Jesus told us what it was going to be like in the end times. And notice what it says in verse 1. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and His disciples came to Him for to show Him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. When this happened, Jesus, He's standing there on the Mount of Olives. And boy, if you could picture it in your mind, I had the privilege of being there, but the Mount of Olives is just east of Jerusalem, of the city. If you are standing on the Mount of Olives, if I'm here on the Mount of Olives, and I'm looking straight that way, I'm looking right at the temple. I'm looking at that eastern gate. That you hear about. I'm seeing all these. It was probably magnificent at that time. Now, uh, if you were standing in that same spot, you'd be looking at the Dome of the Rock, that big mosque with the gold dome that's out there. You'd all recognize that today. That's what you'd be looking at. And that's what Jesus was looking at. And they're showing all these buildings, these beautiful, magnificent buildings that we talked about, like Solomon's Temple, we talked about this morning. And he said, that's all going to be wiped out. It's only a matter of time, and that's all going to be torn down. And that happened only 30-some years later. In AD 70, uh, they, the temple it was totally wiped out. The Romans went and destroyed it. And it says in verse 3, And as He sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto Him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of Thy coming and of the end of the world? <clears throat> Notice they asked a few questions here. They had, and very specific questions. What are the signs of your coming? 
What can we watch for that will tell us when you're coming and when it's the end of the world? Alright, that, that's what they asked. And Jesus tells them what the signs are. Jesus tells them what it's going to be like at the end of the world. And it goes on in verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. In other words, it's going to be easy to be tricked when it comes to this. There's always going to be people being deceptive. We've got guys like Harold Camping. Anybody know who Harold Camping is? All right, he just died not too long ago. But he all the time was predicting when the rapture was going to come. Predicting, And for the last several years that he was alive, he was basically saying, we are in the tribulation. and It is the tribulation right now. And was telling people to leave your churches. The church is no longer supposed to be around. If you are in a church, you basically are serving the devil. You need to get out of your churches. He actually taught that. And then, finally, he said, hey, it's time for Lord to come back. He's going to take us away. They had billboards. that had, I forgot what the date was. That had the date. Be ready. It will happen. And he did. I mean, and he had people selling all they had. He even sold his radio station and everything. I mean, he had... I mean, he believed what he was teaching. And they did. There was all these groups of people. They were waiting, expecting the Lord to return. I forgot what the day was. You know, the news media was asking, what are you going to do if it doesn't happen? What are you going to do if it doesn't happen? He would not answer that question. He's like, it's foolish to even discuss that because it's going to happen. He said it. And sure enough, the Lord didn't come back then. And it really shocked a lot of people. I saw a camera manage to get on him after that happened. You could tell he was shook up. He believed it was going to happen. He figured out exactly when the rapture was going to come, and it didn't happen. And but he deceived many. And the Bible said, in the light, he said, "Be careful. Don't let anybody deceive you with these things." And I'm telling you right now, when it comes to end time stuff, you got to be careful because even some Baptist preachers will come up with some goofy stuff. And they will get people all worked up and all excited over nothing. Some of them will even start making predictions and saying, based on the Bible, this has to happen. Be careful with those people. Don't let them deceive you. Jesus warned us about those people. And they do sometimes come carrying King James Bibles with the name Baptist. They're out there, unfortunately. But He says in verse... It says they'll deceive many. And they do. And verse 6 says, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. Anybody hearing about that right now? You know what people were, you know what I heard people, a few people mentioning in the news media after that whole thing with, where that plane got shot down there by Ukraine? Is, you know, I, I heard the world, world war, word, world war, that's hard to say, word, world war, pop up a few times. Say that three times fast. I, I heard that pop up a few times. You know, rumors. Of wars, this is going to be huge. We've got the stuff going on, and you know, with Israel and, and Hamas right now, and the Palestinians. I mean, there's this stuff going on all over the all all the time, all over the place. It says you should hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must must come to pass, but the end is not yet. So we're not getting to the message here yet. But notice how he said, "Don't be troubled by these things." And you know what's funny? We forget about that verse because. Preachers too, they will go and talk. Look, look what's happening in Israel right now, and they'll get people all worked up. I mean, boy, it's it's just around the corner. And you know why would people get worried about the Lord returning? I mean, really, that shouldn't worry us at all. 
But they will. Boy, I mean, they'll just get all anxious and, oh my goodness, uh, is this really it? Is this really happened? Jesus said, don't worry. He said, these things must come to pass. It's not going to happen. But then he said, but the end is not yet. That's not the end, okay? And we're definitely in the wars and rumors of wars right now. But he said, the end is not yet, okay? So, in a sense, you know. We're still okay right now. But verse 7 says, For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in divers' places. Boy, we hear about earthquakes all the time, don't we? I mean, earthquakes are becoming more and more frequent all the time. All over the place. I mean, it's pretty scary. I remember when we lived in Cherry one night, it was it was the weirdest thing. There was an earthquake. I remember that it was felt kind of all over the state. And I remember kind of waking up and Cassandra saying something like, did you feel that? And it was one of those things I was kind of half out of it and I thought I was just dreaming. And I was just like, yeah. I think I said, yeah, don't worry about it. And she thought I felt something. And I remember kind of feeling it, but you know, I was half out of it. And the next day, everybody was talking about the earthquake. And I was like, I mean, that actually happened? I thought I just dreamt it. I thought I dreamt the whole thing, but it actually happened. And, and you know, earthquakes around here are pretty rare. Some places it's, it's more common, but it's happening all the time, more and more. And it's going to continue to get worse. He says, all these are the beginning of sorrows. And then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. I know we're not seeing Christians killed necessarily in America, but there are places all over the world where Christians are being persecuted, are being put to death. This is happening. It says, And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Boy, iniquity is abounding today. The world's getting more and more wicked. But then it says, But he that shall endure unto the end the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. And we're going to stop reading right there. And then he goes on to talk about when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. Okay, We know that's in the tribulation. We know that's halfway through the tribulation. But notice... How he go? He says all these things are going to be happening when it gets there towards the end. But then he said that he ends it with, "And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. Then shall the end come." Okay. Now, when we talk about the end of the world, it's clear that we are seeing things today that you could clearly look at the Bible and say that's going on right now. That's happening right now. I mean. The end of the world, the tribulation, it could all start any time. The Lord, He could return at any time. It's, it's, you can clearly look at those verses and say that. But at the same time, what is it that we're actually supposed to do? What are Okay, fine. It's the end of the world. I'll give you that. So what do we do? What do we do now? Do we hide in the corner and panic? You know What, what are we supposed to do? Because the truth is, I can tell you 100%, we are in the end times. And here's the verse right now I can show you in the Bible. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3. It says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days 
scoffers walking after their own lusts. So he's talking about the last days here. And saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. There's a lot of people that will scoff when we talk about the coming of the Lord. Ah, they've been preaching this for years. You guys have been saying this for years. And He still hasn't come yet. That's going on today. Um, verse four and say, or that one already. Verse five. For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. People, did you know people are willingly ignorant about the flood? There is evidence all over this planet that there was a global flood. Like the Bible talks about in Genesis. There's evidence of it all over this planet, but they're willingly ignorant of it. They will scoff at you talking about a worldwide flood. They will scoff at that. Can anybody think of why they would scoff at a global flood? Why, why do they hate that story so much? Uh, anybody? There's a reason for it. There's a few, but I think there's one big reason that they are willingly ignorant of it. Well, I believe one reason is because the, a worldwide flood explains a lot of what's happened on this planet that they try to use the billions and billions of years ago, the evolution, they try to use evolution to prove. Where you can throw that out and say, no, this could have happened by a global flood, for the Grand, like the Grand Canyon. They'll say, what about the Grand Canyon? You know, that took millions of years for that to be carved out. Not if there was a global flood. Then it could have happened real fast. I mean, there's all kinds of things all over this planet that they say that oh, that would take millions of years that to happen. Not if there was a global flood. So they're ignorant for that reason. They don't want to admit that God created the world. But there's a reason they don't want to admit that God created the world. And it's the same reason they don't want to admit that there was a flood. And that's simply this: okay, if there was a global flood that God sent, that was God judging the world for wickedness, wasn't it? And if God judge the world for wickedness once before like He said He was going to do, then that also means God will destroy the world again by fire like He said He's going to do. He said He'd never do it again with flood, but He is going to do it again with fire. And if the flood's true, the fire's probably true too. And they don't want to admit that. They don't want to admit that the Lord's going to come back. They don't want to admit that the Word of God is true. They don't want to admit that judgment is coming. And it's hard. It is really hard to say, I believe in Noah's flood, but I don't believe in the world being destroyed by fire someday. And therefore, they are willingly ignorant of it. And then it goes on and it says... In verse 7, "...but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day." The Lord is not slack concerning His promise as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us who are not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Right here, it clearly talks about the day of the Lord. It's going to come as a thief when the Lord is going to destroy this world with fire. 
It it says it right there. That day, it's going to come like a thief in the night. And we see here that all these things that he talked about that are signs of the end times was going on. Or that those things are going on right now. But then notice in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. And I want you to keep in mind too, a day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. And then in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. So wait a minute. We're in that last times today. And they were in the last times back then? Almost 2,000 years ago? The last time? It's pretty long, isn't it? Right there, he says, we're in the last times right now. And basically what that saying, when we talk about the end times, we're in the final age. We're in the last age. We're, right now, we are in the church age. Which is the last age. We've got the church. And you know the church has been persecuted since the time of Christ. You know, there's been wars. Ever since Jesus Christ ascended to heaven, there's been wars going on in the world. We've had two world wars. I mean, there's been fighting going on throughout history. There's been inquisitions. And there's just been one bloody battle after another. There's been famines. There's been pestilences. You know, you read about things like you know the bubonic plague and all these different diseases that have gone through the world. All the diseases that are going on now. You've got all the AIDS and different diseases that are just all over the place. Just horrible diseases. The truth is, we've been in the end times since at least the book of 1 John. We've been in the end times for a long time. The truth is, things really haven't changed much. I know, you know, like the earthquakes and things, they're more frequent. It said, as time went on, it's going to get more frequent. But you know what? If the Lord tarries His coming 50 years from now, I bet there's going to be, it'll be even more frequent than it is now. We look at it right now and we're like, boy, it's it's got to be right now that the Lord's about to come, and it could be, it very well could be. But you know what? Fifty years from now, we'd be we're probably going to be like, oh yeah, it clearly is way worse now than it was then. You know, now it's got to be when the Lord's about to return. The truth is, since John, they've been looking for the return of Christ. Paul was looking forward to the return of Christ. Paul thought it could be in his day. John thought it could be in his day. At the end of Revelation, after he goes and explains all these things, he he says, "Surely come, you know, Lord, uh, you know, come, Lord." He he was looking for the return of Christ during his day, during his time. We're in the we are in the last times now, but we've been in the last times for a long time. And one thing I will tell you that this is a fact: we're closer to the actual end time now than they were back then. <laughs> we're getting closer. I don't know when it's going to be. I wouldn't be surprised if it was this year. But it might not be 10 years. It might not be 100 years. I might not live to see that day. I might not make it to the rapture. I don't know when it's going to be. You know, I said, and unlike, I know there's a, lot, there's a lot of preachers out there. I mean, like, no, it's got to happen by this time. You've got to be very careful listening to people like that. No, it doesn't have to happen this time. You know, God's time doesn't always work like our times. A day with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. In other words, when it comes to, when it comes to God, when it comes to heaven, time doesn't work up there like it does down here. 
It really, it really doesn't. And it is hard for us to understand. So, what are we supposed to be doing? As we see these things happen, okay, if we hear tomorrow, I mean, if, if, if t- t- tomorrow morning you wake up and it's all over the news, major battle went, took place in Jerusalem last night. You know, the Israelis, they went and bombed the Dome of the Rock, the Al Aswa Mosque, I can't even say it, Mosque, it's gone. It's gone, it's been wiped out, they have taken over, and they are getting ready to rebuild that temple. Well, what do we do? I mean, good night. The temple's getting rebuilt. They just took over. Oh my goodness, you know, and then all the other prophecies start to happen. You know, we start hearing about all these battles and things taking place. What are we supposed to do? I mean, what if what if some guy shows up on the scene and he gets a peace treaty signed that with with Israel and the Palestinians and I mean what do we do? I mean Alright, you know, can we start packing our bags then? Can we start getting ready? What do we do? And the truth is, God tells us exactly what we're supposed to do as we see these things take place. Go to Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. It says, and this it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And they that heard these things added and spake a parable because he was nigh to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. They thought he was about to set it. Many people thought Jesus was going to set up his kingdom right then during their, during, uh, during their time. And he said, therefore, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. He's given a parable here basically explaining what he was going to do. That while he was here, he was getting some things ready. He was lining up some servants. He was lining up those 12 disciples. And you know what? He tells them, Occupy till I come. When you guys go to Providence, that's their theme there on their little logo thing. Occupying till He comes. That's exactly what we're supposed to be doing right now. To occupy. It's like, basically, you know, when we talk about an occupation, it's like when, uh, like, let's say another country came and invaded us. And they went and they maybe got some territory around here that they took over and they stayed there. And they just, they occupied that territory. And that's kind of where we're at now. We're kind of an enemy, enemy territory. You know, we're not welcome everywhere we go. But we're here. And we're supposed to occupy. We're supposed to be following God's will. We're supposed to be doing what He wants us to do until He comes back for us. And I'm telling you right now, I don't believe there is a single thing that should change no matter what you see in the news, no matter what's going on with the planet, no matter what happens until the Lord returns. I don't think we're supposed to change a single thing that they were like, just like they were doing in the New Testament. We're supposed to be doing that now. We're supposed to be reaching the lost. What do we do if we find out all these things happen? What if they start rebuilding the temple tomorrow? What do we do? Keep reaching the lost. You know, what if there's more and more earthquakes and we see all these signs? What if a guy shows up that looks like he could be the Antichrist? What do we do? Keep reaching the lost. Keep telling people about Jesus. Keep on serving the Lord. I mean, just keep on keeping His commandments. Follow those commandments of God. Do what He said to do. I don't see anywhere in the Bible where anything happens we're supposed to change anything. We're supposed to occupy till He comes. 
until He comes back and gets us, until the trumpet sounds, no matter what happens, no matter what we see, we need to just keep on serving the Lord. Because the truth is, I believe that you know. I, I think it's only you know it's it's clear in the Bible that there there might be before the Lord returns some people that show up that look a lot like the Antichrist. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, there's gonna there's, the Bible talks about there being many antichrists, you know. And then there is the antichrist, but there's many antichrists. I believe there's going to be people maybe that kind of prepare the way for the antichrist. And the truth is, if you're not careful, if you listen to certain people, they're going to tell you it's here. I was looking at some guys sing online uh, where he was basically proving that we are now in the tribulation. And I was I was watching the video he had, and I'm looking at it and. It didn't make any sense, and it was 100% everything he said, proving we were in the revel- that we were in the tribulation. It all had to do with the moon. And I'm sorry, I don't care what's going on with the moon. Uh, well, man, this is what the Bible says. We're not in the tribulation right now. Okay, you know, we're not there. We're not there yet. And but there's people that I believe there's going to be things that are going to happen where maybe somebody could say, "Look, no, that's just like in the tribulation. There's going to be things. There could be things." That happened. What if that happens? What if we see somebody that looks like the Antichrist show up? Do we panic because the rapture didn't come yet? No. We occupy till he comes. What happens if we see some of these, you know, those plagues and things that the Bible talks about that looks just like what the Bible says is going to happen in Revelation? What do we do? We keep on occupying till he comes. We keep on having our church services here. We keep on trying to invite people to church and trying to witness to people and give the plan of salvation. You don't. We don't stop that ever until He returns. We're occupied till He comes, just like He said in Luke chapter ten and verse thirteen. And then also in Mark chapter thirteen, look at what Mark chapter thirteen says. Mark chapter thirteen. Mark 13 and verse 28. And this is also this parable that he gives here. He also this is from the same story in Matthew 24. This is at the same time on the Mount of Olives. His disciples have asked him when the end of the world's coming. This is the same story, just in a different book of the Bible. Verse 28. He says, "Now learn a parable of the fig tree." When her branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see all these things come to pass, know that it is nigh even at the doors. Verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son... But the Father, Jesus didn't even know when He was going to return. Jesus was waiting for the go-ahead from God to come back. And then verse 33, "...Take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight or at cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto you all, watch. Second thing we're supposed to do, we're supposed to occupy till he comes, and we're supposed to be watching 
for Him to come. Watching and waiting for His return. So now, what does that mean? Because once again, you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on people, but you know, a lot of people they'll watch all this stuff in the news and they'll go into a panic. Well, I, I'm just looking for the Lord to return. I'm just looking for Jesus to come. But, you know, when it talks about that, it's not talking about that. Okay, it doesn't mean all right. Tomorrow, next week for church, you know, we're going to obey Mark chapter 13 instead of me preaching. We're all going to go outside. We're going to watch in the sky and watch for Jesus to return. That's what he's talking about. He's got, are we supposed to go sit on our porch every evening and look up into the sky and watch for Him? Is that what it's talking about? No, that's not it at all. A good way... Well, you know, But at the same time, we can watch for these signs. But notice, these signs that are going on, they've been going on forever. Okay, All the stuff with Israel, they've been fighting for a long time. Ever since they became a nation again in 1948, it's been one thing after another. I mean, it's going to keep happening until the Lord's return. But you know, pay close attention, Israel. Watch what's going on with them. I mean, go ahead, pay attention. Get excited about it. With you know, look at it with great. Look forward to it with great anticipation. Second Timothy four seven. Paul said, "I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith." Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that love His appearing. So what does it mean to watch for the Lord? What does it mean to love His appearing? He says everyone that loves His appearing is going to get a crown of righteousness. What does that mean to love His appearing? Is it going to be whoever is the most excited about when the Lord comes? I mean, if we could take a poll right now and say, all right, you got to be honest too. You got to be honest. We're going to give you a piece of paper and you got to write down on a level from 1 to 10 how excited you are about the Lord's coming. All right, you know, let's say I'll put a 5. I'm pretty excited, but I got some things I want to get done first. And maybe somebody in here, you know, Brother Menez, you put a 7 on there. All right, because you're really anxious. But then let's just say, you know, maybe Daniel, he goes and he puts a 9 on there. Alright, because he's really excited, but he's he wants the Lord to come back really bad because he's got a bunch of bills due that he's worried about how he's gonna pay, and if the Lord comes back, he doesn't have to worry about that. And so he's the most excited about it. So does that mean if any of us get the crown, it's gonna be him? Because he loves it the most? Has anybody ever done that before? Maybe you're looking at your bills or something's like, oh, Lord. Can you go ahead and come back now? Because <laughs> I don't know how I'm going to do this right here. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this mess right now. That's not what it's talking about. When it talks about loving His appearing, I think a good way to illustrate, you know, the ones who look forward to His return are the ones that are doing the work. Mark 13.36 again says, lest coming suddenly He find you sleeping. God has given us a job to do. Reaching the lost, serving the Lord, keeping His commandments—that is our job. And those who love His appearing, those are the ones that are ready. It's, it would be kind of like maybe your job, okay? All right, you know, I, I, you know, I work over there in, in the factory over there at Walmart, and you know what? Maybe you've been there before, but you know, there's been times when I'll be there, and all of a sudden. I'm working, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, and all of a sudden I'll see the boss come walking up. And you know what? If I'm doing my work, I'm fine with that. I don't mind seeing him. Hey, good. He sees me working. But what if I'm goofing off? What if I'm standing around talking to somebody? 
What if I'm taking a nap? But I mean, I really wouldn't want to see him then. I wouldn't be. I mean, if I all if all of a sudden my boss appeared in front of me, I think I'd have a heart attack. Or at Walmart too. If you're doing something unsafe, all right, they're real big on safety. I mean, if you do anything, if you do anything too stupid, they will fire you so fast for unsafe stuff. Say I'm doing something unsafe. I'm goofing off. Horseplay. You know, big thing. You do not do horseplay there at Walmart. And I'm I'm messing around. I'm doing something that could get me fired. And if all of a sudden my boss appears, am I going to love that appearing? I'm going to hate that appearing. I'm going to I'm going to get scared to death. But you know, those who love God's appearing are the ones that are they're doing their work. And you know the truth is when you work, when you work for somebody, and you're doing the work and you're doing a good job, you're doing something they can be proud of. You want them to see it, don't you? You want them to see that, hey, I'm doing good for you. Hey, you're, what well, you're paying me, it's worth it. You know, and maybe I'm worth more. You need to give me a raise. When you're doing a good job, you don't mind them seeing that. You don't mind his appearing because you're doing what you're supposed to do. You dread the appearing when you're not doing what you're supposed to do. And the truth is, many people today. If the Lord were to come back right now, they're not going to be too excited about His appearing because they are not doing what they're supposed to do. They're not where they're supposed to be. I mean, can you imagine if tonight you decided, you know what, I want to watch the ball game tonight. I'm not going to church. And you're sitting at home on your couch, stuffing your face, watching the ball game, and then all of a sudden the Lord returned? When you know you should have been in church? You're not going to love His appearing, are you? And basically, those who love His appearing who are going to get that crown of righteousness are the ones who when He comes are doing His work. Are living for the Lord. You know, that's why you don't want to wait. That's why just every day you want to make sure you stay right with God. Every day, make sure you're living for the Lord because you don't know when He's going to return. And so, we're, we're, we're supposed to watch and wait. In other words, that just means be ready. If you're doing, you don't have to go sit out in your porch and look in the sky. You're being ready when you're doing the work, when you're reading your Bible, when you're keeping His commandments, when you're praying, when you're being a witness, when you're doing all those things. That's how you watch and wait for His return. Revelation chapter 16 verse 15 says, "Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame." What's it talking about there? Basically, just. Who keeps his garment? Keeping his garments. Okay, what do people usually do when they go to bed? When they go to sleep? Well, they usually remove some of the clothes. I don't. I don't dress like this to bed. Well, that's not very comfortable. Okay, you know, I, when I go to work, you know, I wear jeans and a sweatshirt, and I wear my shoes. I don't wear my shoes to bed. I don't do that. Why? I'm relaxed. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna work. I'm going to sleep. Okay. And in the Bible, in life, as Christians, we're never supposed to put our spiritual pajamas on. We get our rest when we get to heaven. That's when we get our rest. doesn't mean you never get to sleep here on this earth. But spiritually, we don't take a vacation from serving God. You know, I don't. It's like you know, I've, you know, we're about to hit our three-year anniversary. You know what? I'm going to take a vacation from the ministry. I'm going to take a year off. Just one year, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pastor. I'm not gonna. I'm not even gonna go to church. I'm not gonna read my Bible. I've been doing those things all my life. I've been witnessing. I've been doing all. I've been doing that all my life. I can take a year off. I deserve a break. 
You know what that's called? That's called sleeping. Sleeping on the job. Do I want the Lord returning when that's going on? While I'm taking my vacation from the ministry? We don't get a vacation from the ministry. None of us do. We don't get a vacation from that. We're supposed to be doing it all the time. But let me tell you, there's people sleeping on the job. I worked with a guy one time that I I saw him. He was in his trailer sleeping. He had the conveyor in there. He had it pulled out. He had a mattress in there. He's in there taking a nap. Sleeping on the job. It was a good thing it was me that walked up. You know, I couldn't fire him. You know, I wasn't his boss. He'd have been scared to death though if it would have been the boss. Sleeping on the job. We don't. We have a job to do, and we're not supposed to do that. So, but people are. Yeah, some people are. And when the Lord returns, He's not going to be happy with those people, and they're going to wish they hadn't fallen asleep. They're going to wish they hadn't done that. And it's time for us to awake out of our sleep. Watch and wait. Don't take a vacation from serving the Lord. You know, here's the other truth too. Most people that do decide to take a break from serving the Lord, take a vacation from serving the Lord, never quit the vacation. You know, vacations are nice. Don't you hate when you after after a vacation when you have to go back to work? It was so nice. Well, you know, it's got to end. You know, it has to end. And you know, when it comes to serving the Lord. We don't get vacations. We will get plenty of rest when He returns. That's when we rest. In the meantime, we get busy. No sleeping on the job. Then lastly, don't look for His coming as a bailout for the mess you've made of your life. I've known some people, boy, I mean, their life's a mess and it's their own doing. And they're at you, oh, I just wish the Lord would return. And they say it like they're so spiritual. But they don't want the Lord. They're not asking. Say, Lord, I wish you'd return. So, you know, Lord, I'm just anxious to see you. Lord, I want you to return because I'm just so sick of being around all the sin and the filth of this world. They're not saying, you know, Lord, I wish you'd return because, you know, Lord, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm, ex- I'm excited to see you. I want you to see what I've done. That that that's not that's not it at all. It's just because they they have they've made a mess of their life, and it's like. That's their bailout. You know, the Lord is not returning so you won't have to pay this month's bills. He's The Lord's returning because He's coming for His bride. And that's the church. And we need to make sure we stay faithful to Him till He comes. He's coming for us. We are His bride. And you know what? We don't. When He comes to get us, I sure hope we're not flirting with another God. I sure hope we're not flirting. He doesn't come back and catch us flirting with the world. Maybe catch us, I mean, just fully in bed with the world. I mean, doing the things of the world, doing the wickedness of the world. I hope he does. I hope that's not, I don't want him to find me that way. I want him to find me pure, serving him, waiting for his, waiting for his return, ready. That's what I want to see. And the truth is, keep watching the stuff that's going on in Israel. Boy. This could be it. It might not be. We might have another 10, 20, 100 years. I don't know. Keep watching. Go ahead and get excited about it. But do not change a single thing. Anybody that ever comes and says, alright folks, we got to change up some things now. We are in the end times. We're in the tribulation. Whatever. No, 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 no. no. We're going to keep doing what we're doing until the Lord comes and gets us. When the Lord comes and says... 
Alright, come up hither. And He snatches us out of this world. Until then, we're going to keep on having church. We're going to keep on winning souls to Christ. We're not going to change a single thing until He comes and gets us Himself. Don't listen. Any, don't do not be deceived. So let's all stand together.